Citizens of the Verse, today is March 23rd, 2951, and welcome to another episode of ReadCast. We're a weekly star citizen podcast sponsored by the Read Organization. I'm your host, Way Too Geeky, and I'm joined by my two co-hosts, Mr. Hold On To Your Butts, It's Checkoff, and Mr. Laid... Oh, sorry, Mr. Back By Fan Demand, (laughs) Seaguard. Say hello, Checkoff and Seaguard. Actually... Actually, Hello. it's uh, Chikovska this week because I my Moby glass got stuck and I had to do a gender change. So I am still in the opposite gender. But I had to go shopping because I didn't have any clothes clothes to wear. I just I, that's I what they all like say. To, I would just like to thank you for that momentary pause in my intro on that keyword. Uh, <laughs> Behind. What did Lad. I say? You you stopped on the word laid. Oh. <laughs> okay. Oh, because I was going to say laid back. Yeah. And I then I'm like, wait, I didn't. There's no word there. It's just uh, back, back by yeah. fan demand. <laughs> I'm glad I'm back. A new microphone and everything. Yeah. Well, this is the this is the first time you know you're actually a co-host. Yeah. It's exciting. Well, gentlemen, you know what time it is. We're talking about what we did in the verse this past week. Seaguard, what have you been up to? Uh, you know, we did a. It was a pretty good week. We had a couple events that I was in. I went in on and played in, and then uh, did some promotions and logistics. Kind of our. Um, we added a fourth. Um, you know, senior, senior, we call him logistics specialist, but basically he's a captain of, he can be captain of anything, you know, up to um, basically a, a whole seat. Um, oh, nice. In events and junk like that. So we actually have four of those, uh, yeah, four of those right now. And then we have a number of uh, the guys right behind him, which are the transport pilots and, uh, and uh, looking for the next batch to be co-pilots. So, so we're doing good. Awesome. What about you, Chekhov? Yeah, same, same here. Did uh, the events were fun, and uh, lately we've just been uh, doing something you know different. I would say a lot of uh, you know like bunker FPS stuff, some investigation, investigation missions, sort of back to same stuff as we as I originally did when I started playing, which is kind of fun for a change because you get to slow down and really get up and close and, you know, really enjoy the game because otherwise you're like mining and you focus on breaking the rocks or you're flying and doing bounties and just focusing and shooting guys down. Where here you can kind of walk around, notice all the nuances and the new, you know, find new plants and formations. So it's been kind of cool. And plus, I'm trying to uh, sort of put a, a really cool event together. And of course, you know, for those of you who are not part of Reed, you know, this is definitely a good time to join. It's going to be something interesting, sort of like a scavenger hunt, maybe with a riddle, 
I don't want to give it all away. Like, you know, some cool, cool things we're working on. Very cool. That's awesome. I myself have not been in the verse since probably our last episode or maybe like the day after. Mm. Um, yeah, I was in your neck of the wood check off. I was visiting some college friends in Jersey. So nice. that takes up a weekend pretty much when you live in Brooklyn. Um, yeah, they live in Cromwell and it was, they live in a beautiful neighborhood. Nice. Cross, oh, Cromwell. Cromwell on track. Cromwell, New yeah. Jersey or Cromwell, Connecticut? Uh, New Jersey. Oh, okay. Coldwell, I know Seaguard. Coldwell or uh, Cromwell? Oh. Cold. I think it's Caldwell. It is, Cal- it is Caldwell. Yeah, yeah, like Cromwell. I See, know I was thinking of Connecticut. Oh, yeah. yeah. All you have to say is which exit. Because we're both from Connecticut, so. Yeah. I hope you know that check off. You probably do already. Uh, um, yes. Anyway. Yeah. Um, we had a moderately active week, um, I would say. So uh, this past week, ISC talked about non-lethal weapons, which I thought was interesting. Uh, they, they talked about some of the larger tractor beams, the medical attachment for the multi-tool, um, the dedicated medical tool, salvage, repair tool, cutting beam, etc., cetera, uh, as well as that really cool crossbow. And we also got a look at the new asteroids. Uh, what did you guys think? Seaguard, what did you think of the that episode, non-lethal weapons? Very, very cool. I thought it was very cool. I was, I was, uh, I listened very closely again to the medical stuff and, uh, yeah, it really is, um, a significant change. Uh, you know, I don't think it's the end state, but it's significant. Um, I think that one was probably my favorite. And then, uh, the next one was just because of the topic, the, the ability to use a salvage gun to basically liquefy and recover, parts of the ship and then use it to repair your ship. <clears throat> I thought that was kind of cool. So Yeah, I can imagine. I mean, I think it's pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, what about it's very cool. I uh, well as you know me, I I didn't listen I got can't say I listened closely <laughs> as I did and I'm not gonna lie. But one thing I uh, did catch is you know crossbow is very cool. Uh, all the yeah. different variations of the medical uh, attachment and being able to not only just to cure with it, but also have a specialized gun where you can put mm-hmm. different type of medicine and analyze the patient, like, right? Yeah. Like what, what the issue is. It's just kind of the, 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 the whole um, sort of a play that, that takes you beyond, again, just like I said, dog fighting and mining and just further and deeper into the verse, you know, different gives you more and more and more options. So it's like when you think that you're becoming bored, you know, Oh, you know what? I'm kind of bored of mining, kind of bored of doing bounties. All of a sudden you discover something else. Like I said, this week it was investigation. So when all these attachments come out, all these different gadgets come out, it again kind of keeps the game exciting and going for, for me anyway. Yeah. Um, well, I guess two things. One, for some reason, I have this weird bug where I will not look at anything but my feet right now. That's cool. Why don't you go yeah, become, a become it's a girl? It's fun. I've, I've killed myself three times already in an effort to escape looking completely f- at my feet, but it does not seem to be working. You need to go become a girl. 
No way out. I guess I do. I have to gender bend. Um, oh, no. Now I won't get out of my my bed. Cool. Uh, I have some okay. spare spare clothes for you. If you need. <laughs> I'm going to just exit to the menu. See what happens. Um, and then from there, anyway, or I guess talking about ISC from there, I'm, I'm, I have my built-in transitions in my head. Um, I think what was really cool, I'm just glad to hear that the med gun isn't just point at the person and stab them and heal them. It's, oh, you got to know what to treat them with. It'll diagnose. You treat them with a specific thing, and that will help them better than if you just did medical serum or whatever it is right like maybe that'll stabilize them until you figure out what the problem is who knows yeah, um, it's, like, it's like that star trek gadget you know when they exactly flip it out, you know, boom, boom, boom. wait you like star trek check off uh no, <laughs> i just I watch it in the you know listen to the podcast <laughs> um and then yeah i, I think just like tools seem really cool the one thing i would say is the i'm curious to see how the salvage tool works because the way what they showed the salvage tool looking like doesn't scream stripping an entire hole and then being able to use it to repair something it's kind of a small canister so unless they have some separate attachment that's what i was wondering a little yeah that seems a little weird but still good episode uh the asteroids look cool that's about as all I, all I can say, except, you know, they look cool. They look different. Um, and then Star Citizen Live, we got to look at the weapon content team um, yeah. where it wasn't a Q&A as much as it is. They made a site in front of us, um, yeah, which is Chekhov in my favorite episode. <laughs> so as you can but, probably imagine, I didn't really tune in for that. But I, I, I actually pretty much did. all of it. Yeah, I uh, but I, I watched it. Sorry to interrupt, Siga, but I watched it for a different reason because you know why? I was it kind of opened my mind to what's possible. I was reminiscing about, believe it or not, l- looking at what they were doing about the second life. I don't know if you know anybody knows, I'm not going to get into it, but it was like a sort of a game or, or a sim where you actually can own a you know uh, a hab or, or a house. And, and what they would do is they would allocate a certain amount of prims to you, right? And it was like a little sandbox, right? So right. with kind of uh, looking at what they were doing, the thought comes to mind, what if Star Citizen all gave us, you know, not only the habs, but a bunch of prims? Like, let's say you have a hab and you get, you know, 10,000 prims. And then you do whatever you want to do with them. And that tool that we're actually using is the tool that I used to use in Second Life. So you kind of, you build your own furniture, you you build your own, like you can hang up a TV and, 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 and turn the YouTube channel on, right? And have guests over and do stuff like that. And then you can also build stuff and uh, sell them into the marketplace. So if we like, you're lazy, you don't want to build your own furniture, you go buy furniture. And, and it's all kind of based on this prim concept because they're resource hoggers, mm-hmm. right? And then, of course, you know, you want a bigger house, you buy more, you know, more rooms, which comes with more prims, right? So that would be, to me, it would be really cool if they would follow that same concept because that really simulated that real life sort of habs and then ownership and 
Uh, and again, but those would be like prims that you will not be able to take out of the habitat because otherwise there'd be huge resource hoggers out in the verse. There'd be something you keep inside the house, you know? Yeah, that's kind of a cool idea. Yeah. So that's why I watched it. Not only for that reason. <laughs> yeah. I uh, I tell you, one of the things I did like about the uh, Sense of Sight, the uh, Star Citizen Live game dev session, was they, they showed how they use these um, graphics, kind of like decals, to show depth and detail. Um, oh, yeah. I mean, it's, it's very neat. And I had seen similar, I can't think what it's called, um, but uh, it's been around for a while where you could make a rivet on an airplane and basically it's, you know, it's flat. It's just an image. But you're, you're telling that, you know, whenever you see a thick line of this type, it casts a shadow in the opposite direction of the light source, right? Well, this takes it even to a new level. And uh, they were able to make super convincing, you know, imprinted text and, you know, uh, buttons and knobs just you know the simplest of capabilities is use standard stuff to add that yeah. detail that makes it just that eye-popping level of uh stuff yeah and sometimes it's actually a flat texture but it doesn't look flat yeah which that's what yeah. fascinates me the most yeah. well i'm just wondering when you're going to be able to like put that on the side of like Chekhov's neck and we can make like a fake, <laughs> a fake Frankenstein and Robo uh, Chekhov. Yeah, uh, fake eyes, like mechanical eyes. I know. I'm telling you, it was a lot of fun building that stuff on your own in the in Second Life. You know, because essentially the tool looked identical to what the devs used in that video right inside the game. I had I played another. It was like Second Life, but it wasn't second life but it was similar and i can't remember what it was called and i remember someone made me an avatar they just built it for me and my avatar looked like darth maul with a dual bladed lightsaber running around mm-hmm. and like a bunch of tropical islands um yeah, yeah. it was pretty oh, geeky hence, yeah, yeah, hence my name of, yeah i think it was, i forgot the name of it but there was a competitor of it. Yeah, I remember that. Now I'm like Googling it because I have to know. Um, so then, oh, hang on. I made the mistake of actually, oh, Active Worlds. That's what it was. Mm-hmm. It was very similar. Um, Second Life is still around, by the way. Yeah, it is. I still have an account there. Oh, yeah? I still have a house in there. Oh, look at you. D- did it increase in value? <laughs> yeah, oh, that, that game made a lot of uh, uh, Asian players millionaires, literally uh, real millionaires. They would speculate on land. They would buy it. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Um, interesting. Uh, so also uh, in... Oh, go ahead, Seagard. I was going to say, I think, uh, you know, looking at Star Citizen Live with the game devs and and the activities from the week before and the week before that, there seems to be a definite pattern that they're trying to differentiate how the teams are structured right now. Yeah. Was, two weeks ago, it was about the guys who make the tools for other developers. Yeah. Uh, right. And then, then there was the artists. 
and then uh, you know they you know break it down to about gray box level, I guess. And then you had the technical team, which adds all the you know the the different trim and things like that. And I think this sense of sight one was another indication of that that division of tasks. They're no longer like pillars, like just the ship pillar, right? I mean, it's yeah. They're differentiating themselves the way they're working now versus the way they were working. So I'm, I'm just wondering what the significance is uh, of why they're doing that. I feel like it's definitely more of a um, just a division of labor that we didn't see as much. And like they're making it more and more apparent. But like you look and there's like what it's the vehicle experience team the vehicle feature team the vehicle tech team the vehicle content team maybe that's not all of it maybe it's i think it's content tech experience are the three but like they each contribute in a different way and it's it's interesting to kind of hear about it yeah um in other news we learned last week that theaters of war hasn't just been a Robert Space Industries or CIG Endeavor, but they partnered with Fire Sprite, which is a game dev studio, I believe, in the UK, in order to complete mm-hmm. that, uh, which is really interesting. Uh, what, what do you got? Have you guys heard about that? No. I have. Yeah. No. So two things How do you feel about me. it? So, from from my perspective, um, I do remember the last time when they, you know, they had signed a kind of some of the controversy around space marine and all that. Uh, But what that doesn't really bother me. I think they'll do a good job. What I really was shot into my head though, was that this is kind of a test in my mind to see if their tools can be used by third parties without a significant amount of trouble and support from CIG. A hundred percent. I was thinking the same thing. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And, and help them with Squadron Forty Two. Right. Uh, yeah. Potentially. I mean, it, it's interesting. I think, personally, I think Theaters of War, if they could hone that right, could draw in more people. Absolutely. Yeah. And, uh, why not? I think they have the capital, so why not spend it? Because that could be a whole game in and of itself. Yeah. Um, I think the difference that that you alluded to Seaguard in terms of before when they were working with the studio to create what it was star Marine the first time Star arena and star Marine, I think together where they wronged themselves was they let the studio do it and they were involved. So so, right, right now, if you want to capture the real, you know, huge audience, you got to have a battle Royale, right? Yeah. It's not even capture the flag. But you have to have Battle Royale with 100-plus FPS. So if they can accomplish that, you have something. If you're going to roll out Theater of War with uh, even doubling the FPS that we have now, uh, no one is interested. I mean, the, the, the kind of you know players that are playing those games, they need that because that's, mm. you know, they're competitive. They like the fast yeah. action. You know. I don't think Theaters of War will ever ever be an esport though no i don't mean it has to be an esport but even well yeah it's true it would kind of have to be because that's kind of what attracts even the casual player the the second right like uh the, the call of duty 
it attracts everyone else because it's an esport. Yeah. You know? I would say the big focus, at least my interpretation of it, is the big focus on theaters of war has nothing to do with the fact that, I mean, I I know I just earlier said, oh, they're trying to capture more people. I was like, well, they could. But I think the reason that they're trying to make it a very playable game is that people who would normally disengage in between patches will play that so that they get that testing and data. Right. They need the balancing the data on the ba- um, balancing and, and you know, unexpected use of weapons and tactics. Yeah, and to see how imbalanced certain things are, like between anything from anti-air weaponry to drop ship's to you know anti you know vehicle weapons, all that stuff can be tested in a test bed that doesn't impact the verse until you decide to roll a change out. Right. So I think it's really, it should be interesting. And it sounds like it's coming sooner rather than later. There was an Evo test over the weekend where they did what? Uh, 24 and 32. Originally it was supposed to be 40 players, but then they scaled it back to 32, which is not a big deal, but whatever. Um, so we might be seeing that sooner rather than later. Finally. Um, I do appreciate that they're making it much more playable before we have to deal with it because why bother if it's going to be a hot mess yep yeah that's true um and then you know know, 313 go ahead check off no no there was something else in the news did you know what was in the news uh tell us well there was uh there was an entry into a galactic i can't pronounce it half of the time galactopedia Galactopedia, thank you. And okay, you know what yeah. was the entry all about? No. It was, it was about the little plant that's sitting inside my ship, right in, <laughs> right in, uh, yeah, right in Nomad. So, you know, it's that. Uh, it was actually, I, I got it wrong. It doesn't bloom every hundred years. It actually blooms every 130 Earth years. It's oh. 100 Xi'an years. And the reason why it's in the glass, which I didn't know, because that's to pr- protect it, because otherwise uh, you have to water it every, I believe, 20 years or something to make sure that the seeds are, uh, well, l- let me put it this way. It's an extremely high maintenance plant that will outlive all of us. <laughs> but It, it doesn't it, sound very high maintenance, a watering every 20 years. No, just, right. but just uh, saying. Yeah, that's, that's true. But what I'm saying is, you have to remember to put it. I don't know if I would remember to water it every 20 years, you know? Yeah. You'd Probably have to say. definitely set a reminder on your Moby glass. Yeah, But I'm so I happy it made the news. Uh, but I, <laughs> I also cannot pronounce the name uh, uh, in Xi'an. So would not have been tried. I, I'm not going to bother because I'm not so good with the Xi'an pronunciations either. Um, so 313 still in Evocati. A couple things that I heard that came out, and I don't I maybe we talked about this last week, but it sounds like the rock might be getting a variant. If it's not 313, it might be 313X with the two a two-seater. Seater. Yeah. An enclosed and, cab also. Yeah, so you're not exposed to the elements. Yeah. Uh how do we feel about that? What do you think, Seagard? Are you excited for a two-seater uh, rock? Yeah, I 
I do think it's good. I think that um, you know there is a lot of land. There is a lot of mining done on land. You know, in our in our current world. So I would assume there would be um, in the future. And I think that uh, it's viable to, to be a ground miner, you know, or versus a space miner, right? Yeah. Um, and I think our interstellar space miner, I guess, would be. But yeah. uh, uh, I think they're both, uh, I think it's good news. I, I Hopefully we get an even bigger one. Yeah. Oh, 100%. I would, I would love to see something the size of like the ballista as the two person. Uh, that would know, be with, cool. Yeah. So you can sleep in it and, you know, have a you know, kind of a microwave or something in it, water. So word on the street is it has six wheels instead of four, and it looks more like what they were demo- demoing at CitizenCon. You know, like the, not demoing, but concepting. There's like a silhouette. It looks more like that. I, I mean, it makes sense. It's coming in with the different changes to caves, cave right. openings. So kind of an Aquila look or a, not Aquila, um, Taurus. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, what is it? It's not the Taurus. It does have uh, a Connie look to it. Yeah. No, no, no. What's the, what's the vehicle that goes to Connie? I just can't think of it. Oh, Ursa. Ursa. A little bit Ursa. more Ursa like, not yeah. quite Ursa like. It almost looks like it has legs, even though it doesn't. Okay. But I think what excites me about it is not having to wear an environmental suit. And it also states that, um, or supposedly, I guess it doesn't technically state anything, supposedly it has a higher capacity. That's big. Yeah, I have a funny feeling we're going to get a little bit of a change to the ha- the mineables. Just given take, the emphasis, but we'll see. Yeah, I think the, em- I think the emphasis is going to go down and we'll be back to normal levels. I feel like the rock the emphasis are- will go down. Yeah, I, I feel like maybe they'll make it hard. No, they said the laser will be almost the same, though. So maybe not. I don't know. I guess we'll see. Um, check off. You'll be you'll be pleased by the other thing that that has been heard is that there are going to be some missions in caves, mm. including assassination missions. Oh, nice. With a sniper. So, act. yeah. And see, we're not worried about that anymore. We're, we're at, in, in prison. We're like home. We know all about the how to get in and out. By the way, two of our org members escaped prison. Oh, they escaped? They escaped prison, yep. And we got Ooh. them safely out. It was uh, snorkel and fish. Yeah. We went yep. back in with an MSR and a Cutlass Black and rescued Good for them. Yeah, we got them and brought them uh, onto, I forgot which station. They got their crime style removed. We uh, exchanged uh, provisions, oxygen, merits. We got all that figured out. Uh, So, I mean, speaking of exchanging, we'll be able to exchange med pens going forward. Yes. Because they have become a usable. Yeah, like. Sorry, I just heard a weird sound in my apartment. I do too. Oh, it's a dog. Okay. When my headphones in, I can't tell what it is. It sounds like a human could be yelling at a human. Oh, it's just it sounded like an iguana game. to me. But... <laughs> I have no iguana. <laughs> um, could in my stomach going. Um, yeah, but now you'll have to essentially um, equip it before using it, 
and it won't be just like a a quick button. So you can't just hit. I believe it. What what it's C now. Yeah, C. Yeah. So I think I think going forward you'll have to hit four and then left mouse. So oh, it's wow. like a quip, just like any other utility item, and then stab yourself. Uh, so it's not going to be a quick one like uh, sometimes you're dying and you can rescue yourself. Yeah. And you can use the radial menu or whatever. It makes sense because they're just trying to make it like anything. It's, they're bringing it in line with anything else in the game because in the future we'll be able to heal other people. So you need to sort of yeah. be able to differentiate. Um, Is there a new cyclone in the game? Yes. Oh, uh, we God. talked about it last week. It has two size one missiles and a size one cannon. Oh, but it's not in the game now. It's coming. No, it'll be 313. And I'm it's not really sure I understand uh, the purpose of that one versus the other one. The well, it's there. kind of a weird combo of the anti-air and the, Ground, the yeah. gunner. Yeah. Kind of feels I like think it makes sense. Fighting vehicle. I don't think the anti-air is going to be that compelling because size one doesn't really do much these days, but yeah. maybe for a fighter. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. You could maybe oh. take out a missile or a rocket. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I was just kind of like, eh, it's kind of weird. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, just, you know, um, I'm more of a, I, I hate, I don't like things that can do everything. Right. It, yeah. It's just, it's, cause that's not how the real world works. Right. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, this past week, we also had an AMA with the character tech team. Uh, so uh, a number of interesting things. They talked about having backpacks really be more of an attachment to your armor um, <clears throat> as they're moving Great. more towards physical components and stuff. Yep. And they do and plan on having... Oh, go ahead. Exterior slots on the backpack also. Exactly. Yep. Exactly. Which is great. Yeah, I do think the backpack thing is a uh, is a separate component is great, um, especially now. It's sort of like tied in a few things, but you know, I don't want a yellow chest plate. Correct. Yeah. Um, they do. They also mentioned they do plan on having beards and other facial hair. Um, you know, they just have more th- things prioritized in terms of the character. Um. They addressed the cloth tech animation that we saw at CitizenCon. Um, and there's a couple oh, they, things they mentioned. They showed another um, another snap of a character walking with the old tech versus the new. Yeah. And it was, you know, the guy's jacket was kind of billowing out in the front near the bottom. Uh-huh. Um, it wasn't quite as rigid. Uh, it definitely looked more realistic, no doubt about it. Yeah. Exactly. I, I, th- I thought it was good. I don't know if you get to the point where the jacket could blow open completely, but certainly I could see scarves flailing behind you and yeah, things like that. They might that. be able to. Who knows? Yeah. But it, it, it might not be worth the resources. You know, it's similar to the last week they talked about the solar flares and like you might not be able to get close enough for the fidelity to matter. You know, it's the same thing. Like, is it yeah. worth opening the jacket, but it t- takes another year? Uh, speaking probably not of, uh, 
solar flares. Uh, we forgot to mention the asteroids. They did give us a sneak peek of the asteroids. They were very cool. Well, we we mentioned it, but we didn't comment that much. What you? How do you feel about those asteroids? Oh, I think they're on? awesome. I think you're going to be able to land. There's a lot of potential there. They're huge. Yeah, there's, yeah. there's going to be a lot of uh, probably, well, at least at least hand mineables. Who knows? Maybe even rock mineables. Think about I'm caves and asteroids. Yeah. Like laying a ship you inside might... a cave. Yeah, and there might be some being in it and chase us like, you know. Yeah. What is it, Empire Strikes Back? Yeah. <laughs> um. I also I'm curious, Chekhov, if and and Seagard, if um, the change in asteroids is purely exterior and visible, or if we're going to see a change based like if our mining is going to change because of it, you know, like will we see composition differences and will it break differently? Especially because they're adding in the subcomponents. So it's yeah. like, are you building to something that we don't know yet? Yeah. I would suspect they, you know, you you bring it up, and I, you know, now that you mention it, I, I think you're probably right, because they never go, you know, they go to what we would think is like 105%, and then they come out with something like 80% better than that. Right, right. right? Yeah. <laughs> it's just. Yeah, I think it's not going to be in the, because they sort of talked about <clears throat> going to be able to like hide behind them. Maybe they'll yeah. be like gaps. I was just going to say the same thing, the radar. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And they've shown um, snippets of that along the way too, radar being blocked and um, targeting being blocked by asteroids. Exactly. So. Exactly. Um, so with the cloth tech that they mentioned, uh, it's uh, they call it V cloth, and it's a simulation tech in the game. Um, they've had some varying priorities shift with that. But it, it requires essentially three main pillars. So there's what they call the basic cloth solver, which needs to be implemented by their physics team. Uh, and it needs to have all different things tweakable, like collision, self-collision. So it's collision with other objects, collision, collision with the person. It needs to be fast in order to, um, you know, be able to apply to mass amount of characters, whatever the case may be, it needs to be stable. Um, so there's a lot there. They need a good pipeline. So between digital content creation uh, applications like Maya uh, and their engine. So Maya, in case people don't know, it's sort of like a, and if I'm, incorrect here it's because i'm ignorant to the fact of what it really is but it's sort of like a vfx modeling tool um or animation modeling tool so they need a, a better pipeline between those so, to make it more scalable um and then last they need um the actual assets themselves so you know if you did it the old way it didn't have any of that tech involved They'd actually have to build new assets or I would imagine they have to build any asset that's going to use the tech from the ground up. Uh, so that's with the clothing tech. Um, and they even talked about sort of like things like cloaks and trench coats. Um, and it depends on all those different factors. 
Oh, what else did they ask? My goodness, about like a beards, long hairstyles, yep. and uh, tattoos. And I thought the tattoos was interesting. Yeah, um, how they they can do a certain technique now, but it would be faded. Yeah, it would look fake. Do, yeah, um, but they do have the technology and understanding how to do it better. Uh, just a matter of when they get to it. Yep. Um, and similarly, they also asked about deeper customization, right? So like more sliders for facial features versus just blending two different faces. And, um, they, they mentioned, we know it's limited both in terms of how usable it is, um, with face options, hair options, et cetera. Um, but they're like, listen, this is V1. Um, Although we did find out that there's going to be some more eye colors in the next patch as well. Um, yeah. So they're like, listen, it's an old system. It's using old UI. This was before building blocks. They're going to continue to improve. Right. And they had a few other, a few other questions, um, including ones about alien characters. And they were talking about, yeah, we can confirm we worked on the Van Duel, but we're not going to, you know, spoil anything else. Um, but I'll leave everyone to look at that actual AMA. There's actually a short sort of like post condensing everything. So if you want to look at, you know, you don't want to scroll through all the threads, there's some detail there. So I think we all know what time it is, do we? Oh, it's definitely for science. And I was dreading this moment because yet again, I forgot. And I do a lot of things for science. I just want to say, you know. It is time for science. I forget what I do for science. (laughs) Don't we all? Well, let's try and remember. And if we don't, then we don't. (laughs) Right. Um, Have you done anything, Seagard, in the name of science this past week? Well, well, a couple of things. Actually, it's kind of in the name of gaming science. So I've been, uh, based on one of the earlier podcasts I did, I kind of listened to it. I just wanted to hear my voice because I'm vain. But I noticed that my voice was pretty scratchy and uh, had a lot of, you know, hanging uh, S's that were hard to hear or or pops and things like that. So I decided to go out and look at um, microphones to improve that. And then Mm. uh, the other thing I've been doing is I'm, many of us use game class in in New York. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, but I also use voice packs for voice attack, uh, which are voice activated commands for the game. So I've been trying to integrate microphones, headphones, game glass, um, and even the face over IP to a, to a better level um, and, and including the Elgato stream deck. So I can mute certain things when I give a command and people don't hear it. Um yeah, and I've I've been learning quite a bit. There's, it, it's it is interesting. I did get a new microphone. It's the HyperX, but uh, I also bought the um, Snowball Blue Ice, uh, which is a, a much less expensive, uh, but a start a good starter mic. And uh, if you're out there, you know, do a side by side comparison. But you'd be surprised how close they sound. Um. There are guys who can do make them sound even better, uh, but just start stacking on the software. At any given time right now, like to do what I want to do, I'm running on my system, which is like a Best Buy 
you know, um, Aurora 8 from um, Alienware. It's an Alienware system. You know, I'm running voice attack. I'm running voice mod. I'm running Elgato stream deck. I'm running a mixer, a software mixer now. I'm, you know, and surprisingly, it hasn't been altering my frame rates. My frame rates have been very good. Um, and I'm also doing face over IP. So it's complex. And if you want to drive down that hole, you can. And I think it can be very fun. We're, you know, for example, we were listening to me talk to my ship's parrot from the voice attack game packs. And, you know, <laughs> he's, and I'm trying to figure out a way to do that in game. So it plays over the ship's intercom for all the players on my ship to hear it. Um, but, uh, you know, it's pretty cool. You, if you're a solo player and you want to have multiple that feel of multiple people in your ship, Voice Attack does a great job of it, and uh, you can have your science officer with one name, one voice, and you know, and uh, ship's parrot running around, and your your ship's cat running around, and uh, I have six people on my ship right now, uh, and like if the science officer speaks, it comes from the right front of my headset, and then. My weapons guy is on my back left, and you can position him. So audibly, you can position him within the thing. And it it kind of gives you that feeling of having more people on your ship. Um, so that's been my yeah. big experiment. Uh, there's a lot of fun that can be happened there if it's your hobby. But you can also go down the rabbit hole of, of technology and get overwhelmed very quickly. Um, so it's oh, been weeks. Yeah, it's been weeks of me forgetting that I'm set up in Discord talking to the group while I'm giving commands to my parrot. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, but that's my stuff in, in science. Um, I, you know, it's fun. It's fun. And hopefully this sounds a little bit better. But uh, No, you sound good. Yeah. Yeah. So then we were on the receiving end of Sigurd science experiment. Yeah. Yeah. See, I missed all that, unfortunately. Um, what about you, Chekhov? Did you do anything? Uh, well, actually, I have to say we did. We figured out uh, how to use merits, how not to lose merits in jail, and what are, what are how many merits do you exactly need, right? I think our final count, Sigurd, was one, uh, one merit per second. So Per, per minute. No, one merit yeah. per second. Per second, okay, per yeah. second. So 60 merits per minute of incarceration. Because what happens, the reason why I say that is that I don't know if any, well, most people may not know, is that wh whatever you walk out with, you lose. So what in fact needs to happen is you have to transfer them out. So, so you use just enough to get out, and then you transfer the rest of the player that are outside. So really, it's almost like you need a, uh, you know, a treasurer for prison, you know, right. to hold on to all the merits. And whenever somebody ends up there, you sort of allocate them enough to get out. Yep. Mm -hmm. So, and that was uh, yeah, just I mean, to tie it. Go ahead. Go ahead. I was going to say, didn't we talk about having a, having sort of a repository with the merits last week as well? Yeah, we did. And I ended up holding him for the event. Basically, I got out first because I went in with, just so everyone kind of understand the event, is one of our guys, Snorkel, came up with this great idea 
to go to prison. <laughs> so, I don't know, we had 12 or 13 of us go to prison, which actually was harder than we thought. Getting, I don't know how many of us got ourselves killed three or four times and they realized, oh, we're not in radio contact with anything, so we don't go to jail. So, uh, so finally, we all got to jail. And we all went out and did some mining and uh, explored the tunnels, which was really fun. Uh, they're much bigger than I thought they were. I mean, very, very big, and it's easy to get lost. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we had about 70,000 merits. So everybody reserved a certain amount for themselves and then sent it to me because I had already gotten out and sent it to me, and I just jotted it down and then sent it back. Um, you know, So we ended up with about 70,000 total in the end, and right now I think – the bulk of it has gone back to everyone who had it. Some people didn't tell me how much they sent me, so I don't know. I have to catch up with them. Um, but Snorkel has a big chunk of it right now. So uh, you know, he has uh, he had about 38,000 because he was the one working on that that function and had the idea for the, for oh, the wow. event. But it was a fun event. We had a lot of new people. We had three or four new people that showed up. That was their first oh, time good. in the org. So they were great guys, and uh, it was a lot of fun. Excellent. Well, I did nothing for science because I did nothing <laughs> this past week, pretty much. Um, so that brings us to our many, 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 many questions. Um, so our first set of questions come to us from Discord. And the first person asking questions is Boris the Barterer. Yeah. He said, in reply to Seagard's question to me last week. Yes. I will expand a little with some explanation. Nexus is also the system in Theaters of Warm. Uh, not Warm. <laughs> See, I'm misreading everything today. Uh, theaters of War. It's also known as Hathor. You will see that branding on the buildings. It being a frontier system is being retaken by pirates and other rabble. I have a small group of NPC followers, probably three. At one stage, they did actually just sell a pack for this purpose. Then, as I said, a.k.a. me, we too geeky, um, they will either crew or be like Agent Smiths for others who want to join his adventures. Gotcha. Uh, so, in fact, I think that is a pretty elegant design for having friends spread out, but still group up to play. Then you guys mentioned slavery. It is practiced by the Banu, who have completely, uh, completely different set of cultural norms, who see this as just another trade commodity. They don't actually use slaves, as far as we know, but have Suli, who buy and sell. With 313, very close when this episode comes out, with all that's been revealed. Uh, so I guess all that was clarification. <laughs> Uh, and then he asked the actual question. I I pre-read it, but then I forgot to actually read it as clarification. So um, he said, as I said, with 313 very close, what will be the first new feature you want to try? So Seagard, what do you want to try first with 313? What do I want to try? Docking with the uh, – I want to take the Constellation out and uh, dock with the, with the Mercury. Cool. With yeah. the Mercury? Uh, not the Mercury. Uh, what do you call it? The um, P-50. Um, oh, the Merlin. The Merlin. Yeah. Yeah. 
and by the way, just as a note, Boris is now the co-pilot with uh, with Snorkel on the MSR. Um, after Snorkel's great demonstration of his flying abilities, they are now co-pilot or uh, they are, co-pilot. Yeah, the hand and Wookie of our org, and uh, <laughs> and uh, they both are into the kind of the smuggling thing. So we're looking for one more person to join him as the second gunner, maybe engineer. Oh, nice. Uh, what about you, Chekhov? What new feature are you excited to try in 313? Uh, the case. Definitely it would be the caves. And that, did you mention that mission is actually going to be available? Which one? The assassination. Yeah. Supposedly, yeah. Yeah, that's yeah. the one. Finally get to use some sniper rifles. That would be great. Yeah. I'm pretty excited about testing out the docking. I'm pretty excited about that too. Uh, just pretty much anything. I'm, I, I don't care about the non-commercial layouts of space stations. That doesn't really excite me. But right. besides that, <laughs> pretty exciting. And the, you know, I just had a thought on the docking. Um, the dock... The docking seems to occur on the rim of the of the you know the donut portion of the station, but mm. I wonder where it's going to actually put the person. Is it going to be in the cargo area, or are they just going to go out to where they dump into the uh, lobby where all the ship terminals are? Yeah, I, I well, you'll exit you'll exit to like a little mini lobby. And then you'll have to take an elevator to the ship terminals. Ah, okay. Gotcha. Um, and then the next question comes from us by um, Nyar. And he said, so you're making a live action feature film set in the verse. Briefly mm. describe the movie and tell us what systems it's set in. What ships or ship are prominently featured And what role does Mark Hamill play? So, for example, he said, Mark Hamill stars as the captain of Orion on a daring, illegal mining operation in Haiti's system. Both he and his crew are initially thrilled to discover a massive Hadesian artifact, but too late uh, realize that they may have awakened something better left sleeping. So, Seagard, tell us about your live-action feature film. Mm. Live-action feature film. Oh, let's see. I would say that it is a uh, beat-up starfarer hauling fuel um, with massive repair issues and system failures and uh, caught in a space storm of some kind, which is further um, causing problems. And they're transporting Quantanium. And Mark Hamill is the, uh, let's see, what would Mark Hamill be? I would, I would say Mark Hamill would be the engineer. He's the guy pulling it together. Chekhov, of course, would be the, would be the Vulcan officer. So that, sounds that like would a good be one. My, yeah. What about you, Chekhov? Yeah. So mine would be 
half comedy, half reality show. So reality show is full of 30Ks and bugs. And then the comedy uh, of errors, <clears throat> usually how we start our adventure with uh, getting the whole crew together, wrong uniforms, wrong equipment, wrong ships, uh, meeting in the wrong places, crashing into the stations. Falling so out of the turrets. All the fun stuff, yeah. <laughs> Blowing up, losing vehicles, losing people out of turrets. So it could be, yeah, it could be a good uh, comical reality show. That would be me. And nice. And Hamill would be the uh, in the center of it all. Um, so for me, uh, I would do like a, almost like a space Tomb Raider type of thing or, or Indiana Jones in space. And so Mark Hamill would be the grizzled, I mean, it's similar to his character in Squadron 42, like the old man, like I've, I've done this before kind of guy. Yeah. And he'll be like, oh, you don't know what systems I discovered. And then they, they come across a new system and at first think it's kind of calm and chill. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh, no, there's more here. Hmm. This isn't just an expedition. Oh, no, we're being attacked. And then it, this is the prequel to the Vanduul. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> that would be that would be my Star Citizen movie script kind of moment. And I thought you were going to say, here comes the ship and they discover the molecule. And it's growing, and it's blue, and it's taking over. Uh, no, but but they do discover the Vanduul in a Carrick. Mm. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, second question from Yar. That's a good is, question. <laughs> an early form of the reputation system is due in game next patch. What in-game entity do you expect you'll build the highest reputation with? Do you think we should be able to see or scan each other's reputation? And if so, what would that information inform your interactions? Or I guess it would be, how would that information inform your interactions with other players? Seagard, what do you think? Um, I think it would be uh, your your criminal record. Right? Uh, criminal record would be one. Um you know, if you have a high criminal record, obviously, uh, or past, even if it's been cleared, then that would lead someone to think that, well, maybe they're, if I do something violent, they're going to be pretty good at violence with me. Um, on the other hand, if not, maybe I can just pull a gun on them and tell them to give me all their money and they'll give it to me. Um, that would be one. I would say um, reputation also might be um, how many, like how many jobs you've had, like, like almost like your job, your your skills, reputation in game. Yeah, right? you've especially if you're a character who's playing as a crew member on other people's ship to build up your funds. You know, it's almost like an application to become you know gunner. I'm really good. I've done this many kills, and or I'm a good repair guy. I've done you know this many cruises, and, uh, those types of things. Yeah. And do you think we should be able to see and scan each other's reputation? Um, I think you should be able to research it, but I think it should be kind of like something you can't do on the fly unless it's broadcast, but you know, 
it's kind of like a, a Facebook thing, right? You could yeah. you could go look at Facebook, but if you really want to get more, you got to go into a little bit of the, you know, the dark world and figure things out, get some uh, yeah. cracking software and stuff. Yeah. What about you, Chekhov? I'm sorry, I lost my rock. I wasn't paying attention. Can you repeat, <laughs> can you repeat the question? Yes. So, with reputation coming in the next patch. What in-game entity do you expect you'll build the highest reputation with? And then do you think you should be able to see or scan each other's reputation? And if so, how would that information inform your interactions with other players? Mm. That's a very well uh, phrased question, I have to say. Uh, Formulated question, I, I should say. Um, the reason why I'm saying that because I'm procrastinating on the answer. Uh, so, oh, and my answer to the question is, I'm yes. thinking about, <laughs> and I'm thinking about it. Well, so which one? I guess, logistics would be mine. Delivery. Yeah, logistics, right? Yeah, uh, I mean, uh, you know, I mean, bounty's been around already, so. That's not it. I guess it would have to be mining because that's kind of one of my favorite activities. Yeah. And uh, and then, um, you know, being that the mall is a greatly underused resource, what I would use that for is probably, uh, yes, the, the other part of the answer is it would be great to see other players' reputations, then use them to be able to form, you know, mining teams uh, based on, you know, their, their reputation, whether their, right. you know, their stats around Quantanium and how well they did versus other minerals or their stats and the asteroids versus on the planet mining or rock mining versus larger or, him, you know, the, the, right. It would be great to see those details to be able to put an efficient crew together to, to really get the most out of that play. Yeah. I, I personally think for me just assuming what we'll be able to have reputation for in the next patch uh, i'm assuming it'll be with the bounty hunter guild or one of the bounty hunter factions i don't know um i do think we should be able to figure it out in some way um one definitely if we're part of said guild or group <laughs> Um, and two, excuse me for my hiccup, uh, two, I would say probably for instances where we're hiring, like if we're putting out a contract or something like that, uh, right now there's no contracts, it's more beacons, but if we're putting out a service beacon, we should be able to see someone's reputation with a particular faction. Right. Um, personally, because you don't want to you want you don't want to allow someone to accept your service beacon, and there's someone who's like, "Oh yeah, I have a ton of rep with Xenothrat." <laughs> that wouldn't be so good. Um, but who knows if that's going to be a thing yet? It sounds to me, um, my guess would be right now it's not rep with criminal organizations, it's, or no, it's going to be mission givers that might be criminal still. Yeah. But they're. I mean, if you look at most of the criminal mission givers now, they're kind of gray area. You know, they're illegal, but they're like not that horrible. Occasionally there's some. I don't know. I guess we'll see. There's also, you know, there's there's a level of detail that can be that can drive way, way down the rabbit hole of detail. 
you know, yeah. if you just took in like, um, you know, mining, for example, if it's done anywhere near the way, let's say World of Tanks or World of Warships does it, you know, you could have, or even War Thunder or some of those, you know, it's the number of times you've used different ships or tanks, your percentage of wins and losses, percentage of kills versus deaths, um, you know, hits and misses. Um, and then, you know, you could do the same thing for mining, right? You know, how many times do you, how much do you mine on a mole? What's your average intake? What's your highest amount? What's your lowest amount? All the way around. Um, yeah. It would be, and that seems to be a very successful thing in, in Xbox and PlayStation and, mm -hmm. and pub gaming as a whole. Uh, you know, team, small team on small team games. So I think that uh, those, those statistics will be there. How they roll up, that's going to be interesting. Yeah. <clears throat> I feel like it's the start of your your reputation as a, here are the things I've accomplished. Yeah. Um, you know, were you the dread pirate or, you know, the explorer or whatever the case may be. Yeah. Yeah. Um, your one last thing on that, you know, sure. could your, could your, um, your, uh, what are we calling it? Your, reputation actually get to the point where you're actually forced to actually change professions. You just can't do anything. Yeah. Possibly. Who knows? Um, next question comes to us from Talvo. And he asks quite simply, if I buy multiple starter packages, say four, could I pilot my MSR and have three NPCs to operate my Top, bottom, turrets, and the scanner. Could he do that, Seaguard? That is supposedly on the way on the way there. That is one of the outcomes. I think this the the smithing uh, agent smithing is the one that's questionable. Will they be able to occupy? Will a real person be able to take over an NBC's form in the game? Um, yeah. As far as the NPCs, yes. Um, how good they are, I've, as I've understood it through the years, is that an NPC in a perfect world would be unrecognizable from a real person in their behavior and how they do things. But it also um, depends on how much you pay them. Correct. They will be better or worse, and you may they may be asking a high price, but not as good. Right? You have to kind of sort through the weeds. The NPCs that that they've mentioned using the extra accounts as NPCs and said that they would be of a higher grade. Um, and you could use them as NPCs. Yeah. So, yeah, so I, I want mean, some robots. What's that? I want Check some off. robots. I'm ready. Yeah. I'm ready. I mean, that is sort of what they suggested, Talvo. I guess we'll see what happens if anything changes. I do think they'll do the agent smithing because I think it, if not, it complicates what happens if your friends are online and they're in Stanton, but you've already ventured out to Seoul, you know, it's like, you're not going to meet each other halfway because that might take half the night. So I guess we'll see how that works out. I just talked to him today, by the way, I had about a 20 minute talk with him on Discord. Otava? Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Real nice guy. Yeah. Um, Quad Nim 
I think that's how it's pronounced because the G, I think, yeah. is silent. We yeah, just usually call silent. him Quad. He's the master. Um, he's the he said, master. <laughs> he is the master. He said, this might be a little long, so check off. Listen oh, no. up. Ooing. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> oh, I stop. I stop. I'm not even flying. I stop. Oh, <laughs> it gets real historical up in this, too. Good. I mean, I'm proud. Thank you, Quad, for being so thoughtful. He said, a couple episodes ago, you guys were discussing multiplay and how to pay org mates or how the org would pay members. However, there's a twist, and I'd love to get your take. Consider, why does a player grind in a game? Any game. Usually, it's to either level up, which doesn't exist in Star Citizen, or to get better stuff. So a player might want missions for money so they can buy new ships. uh, Sorry, buy new ships, weapons, armor, clothes, upgrades, etc. That's all fine. But then consider... Why are you in an org? Is it just to have co-op with friends, or does the org offer more than that? In an org, I I think, hang on, let me just read ahead. Is it like a five-page essay? or It is a little bit of a dissertation. Yeah, so in an org with several capital ships, many frigates, and support vehicles, fighters, bombers, etc., you can basically have access to any ship you'd ever want. Will a player really strive to buy their own capital ship, or can you get the satisfaction and experience you desire simply as an org member, performing missions for the org, helping to maintain the org, so the org can fly its capital ships and support ships to go with it? If the org wants to build a presence in the verse, good or bad, it needs to back up with a strong community. Therefore, if org missions didn't pay or paid minimally, instead of the orgs buying the fuel you're using, providing the gear necessary for each mission, upgrading the ships you're flying, or others loaned to the org, providing shelter, protection, play opportunities, access against the greatest fleets. Oh my goodness. Sorry, it continues. Quad, this is a long question. I already forgot forgot what he was really asking. I, I see where he's going. I and think. I've been ha- Go ahead. Go ahead. So essentially, he's asking, why be in an org with all these considerations? So he's talking about the considerations. So he also said, with everyone pooling their resources to make a bigger, better experience for all involved, will players still demand top dollar? Or is it more about the experience? And he says, for me personally, I think it's about the experience. This is what I think can and does set Star Citizen aside from other games. Sure, the level of fidelity is great to immerse us in the game. Star Citizen could fake different um, tier behaviors, fake physics, fake material types and uh, reactions, but they don't. They're all in to immerse the player completely but the immersion alone is just half of the equation. I think it's the gameplay, camaraderie, socialization, and open-endedness, among other things, is what sets Star Citizen apart and makes it the best game ever. So ultimately, if I could uh, surmise what he said, why join an org versus not? And you know, what's the benefit financially of joining an org, or is it not financial at all? 
want me to go first? What do you think, Cigar? Yeah. So uh, I'll I'll take I'll take this one on because actually I've been thinking about this. I tend to I tend to hover around a crew type structure uh, because we have so many ships um, that we could play with one person. They're but they're ineffective. I think um, I think for people to feel attached, they either have to progress or they have to feel that they're really part of something. And as silly as it may seem, you know, my experience, especially in the military, was if you don't have a, a rack to sleep in and you don't have a roommate and you don't have a crew that you're part of on your tank or um, or your squad, it's just not as full an experience in life. I mean, it, it just really is more fun that way to go along with that though, given that a person can go out and make a lot of money with a rock um, and they can earn, earn stuff. You have to have some reason for them to want to be part of the crew until they figure out that, wow, I just like playing with these guys. Um, Hmm. So priority one for me is the org is about playing with people that you like and getting away from the, the troubles of the real world and that is one thing we really, really try to do with Reed. Um, you know, Techno's excellent about that. It is about putting the world behind you for the day. You know, you have a bad day at work or whatever it may be, and just going in and having a good time with, you know, with the other day, 15 of us, and we average now probably 10 or 11 a night on at a time. Um, and there's a lot of laughing, a lot of giggling, a lot of, you know, I never make money. I, you know, I think I have twenty thousand. I have six. I have more ships than I have money, so <laughs> in game. So it's uh, but I love seeing like Boris and Alt or a snorkel, um, flipping around and doing stuff and check off off with you know. Uh, lately, it's been uh, with uh, um, I can't think of his name. Uh, oh, Flavius, Flavius, Flavius. Yeah, Flavius going out there and rock mining and. Uh, for me, it's about playing the game with others. Um, uh, but I do think people want to feel a, a certain amount of pride in what they do and being part of something. So uh, the money to me is a lesser thing, but some people do want to get things in game. And if mm-hmm. that's the reason you should pay them, um, I certainly don't worry about making too much money in the game. And people give away money all the time in our org. I mean, it's nothing to get 500000 because I'm stuck on a planet somewhere. Um, so I would say, first, the, the right people playing well together is a lot of fun. Much more fun. And I used to be only a solo player. This is really my first real, real org experience. And then the second one is that if you can play as part of a regular group, a regular team within the bigger group, and you have a ship name and you can have adventures and become, you know, the hand solo and, and the Wookiee of the, uh, of the, our org, you build a reputation and be needed for that. Like Quadrim is, uh, for fighting, uh, or dog fighting. It, it's a great thing. Right. Um, and then the money people do want to get things and the org can help you get those things. Um, yeah. So, that's that's those are the three priorities for me. Okay. What about you, Chekhov? What do you think? 
Yeah, so I actually think that the, you know, this game without an orc, the churn, churn rate, and I don't know what it is, I'd love to find out what it is, would have to be through the roof. Because, uh, I mean, this is uh, different. It's unlike any game out there. And, and that's uh, just, even if it would be perfect without bugs. You layer the bugs and you entering this solo, uh, you're going to have a really hard time staying. So to me, like uh, without an org, it's like a no starter, you know, for this yeah. game. So that's number one. And then as far as ships, um, I mean, I, I, I'm i not the one that would want to have capital ships. I don't like big ships. I, I love exploring them, like kind of go for for a ride and be a crew just to kind of look around. But it opens flight, all your cargo hatches, by the way. Yeah, you know, just kind of press all the buttons. Open Watch them. out, he'll drop your Ursa in the <laughs> middle of space. He that, will. That I will do. That I will. Do. <laughs> he will. <laughs> that's, that's fun to do. You know, like blow it up, like press the self-destruct button. All that is great. But the, um, you know, just uh, I, I enjoy like uh, solo playing, meaning flying my own ship, but with others around me like a co-op yeah. play you know that's a lot of fun uh money the only reason for money is just to buy more toys there's no other reason to have it and only a toy just uh, that you can have like that that you know extra gun that you could do an fps with or i would buy a ship that i could do something with not just for the sake of having a big capital ship but let's say i would yeah. need a large ship to do uh, refine the ore that I mine. Okay, that makes sense. I would need a ship like that. You know, uh, w- one ship I do have to say I just kind of want just because it's cool, like the MSR. I don't find that I really need it. There's no reason to have it, but I think it's a cool ship. It's new and it kind of just the idea with all those blinking lights and the, you know, well, it'll be for sale next patch. In- it's, yeah. a sh- it's a ship you could make your reputation on. Yeah. Right. And and I do have to say, right, I get bored without a goal. I think I mentioned it before. I always want to have a goal that I can grind to. It gives me an incentive to get on like every time. Now, it doesn't mean that when I get on, I end up grinding. We always get sidetracked and finding, like said, doing some investigation missions, mm-hmm. you know, looking for stuff. But uh, if I don't have a goal, I wouldn't even get on. So I like to always say, okay, I need that ship. I'm always grinding for something. Yeah. I I personally feel as though it may never truly be fully balanced where if you're an individual, you're going to make less than someone who's in an org running a ship. But it'll be a balance. I feel like it'll be, well, you could be part of a crew. But you're going to make pretty good money, but your experience is going to be even better if you want that, you know, because I don't I also think Star Citizen doesn't want to penalize players who don't want to be part of an org. Right. But I think the the fun factor, I mean, you already see it now, like as an individual, you can't complete the Miles Eckhart chain of missions. And so, Sure. You can try and rally the server around attacking the Idris. Or you could be part of an org and attack it with your org. So it's it's sort of like a balance there. Um, 
you know, but if you are an individual who's trying to complete a chain of missions that you know ends up being pretty complex, you know, I question why you're doing that chain of missions. And, you know, it's not all about how much you can earn in game. It's just sort of like, well, what can I do in game to have the most fun and earn? Or some nights it's just, I just want to have fun. Yeah. I, I play all my ship stock. Um, yeah. Just because I don't want to deal with all the hassle of losing it when they have a, you know, a, a reset. Um, but, you know, I don't know how many times we've sat down and just had, just laughed our tails off, you know, watching someone crash who's trying to fly like the, uh, the, the mole out of a thing. I don't know. I, I always end up upside down in the mole trying to flip it back over. It's just one of those things. Uh, or we have the, the perfect combat insertion that ends six feet below the ground. Everybody dies. That's always funny. Um, yeah. But, you know, those are all great things. And I, I personally have a great deal of fun just watching a crew go out, a regular set of people who've decided to kind of work together, work on a regular basis over and over and over again. I think it's a blast. Yeah. Yeah. And by the way, just to add something to what I said about the churn of a new players without the org, I think it's going to greatly change once Squadron 42 is, is out and the yeah. path to PU would be through Squadron 42. Then you it would be a lot stickier for single players because you'll be very comfortable in PU once you finish squadron, you know? Well, I feel like you'll be comfortable with the mechanics of taking off from a ship and stuff like that, where like in game, you don't want that to happen where you're just crashing. But I don't know if the economy stuff and the non combat stuff will be understand like mining salvage. All those things. Well, I don't know. Maybe all all that will, will all those will be components of squad. I guess we'll see. Yeah. Um. So we have a lot of questions. So I'm going to move us along quickly. Um. Yeah, I I actually think. Um. Personally, oh, I already talked about this. I don't know why we we diverted so many times. I forgot. I already mentioned it. Anyway, uh, Canuck comes at us again. Canuck twenty ninety nine. He only has three questions this week, probably because of the whole four scenario that we mentioned. I finally figured it out, Canuck, that you've been referencing. <laughs> I didn't even need to ask. I, I didn't even listen to the past episode, but now I know why you've been referencing four. Hmm. Um, I should have known before. Before. Um, so his first question is healing at a short distance is being interpreted by many as we are essentially getting overwatch style magic healing beams instead of meaningful meaningful interactive skills based character healing thoughts what do you think sigurd uh, i i think that there is a uh, yeah i mean you know what looks like magic to someone you know anything that looks like magic to someone if they don't understand it right it was mm -hmm. paraphrasing the old saying. Uh, I do agree. I do think that the healing, in my mind, should be within, you know, inches or feet. It shouldn't be, you know, 40 miles away healing, right? Um, I do like the idea of having to move between cover and kneel next to someone to help them. Um, it puts a sense of urgency in your actions. Um, yeah. 
But uh, the fact that it's a bean versus a scalpel or a needle, you know, there's very little in reality that there's very little you could do for a person who's immediately injured um, in real life. I mean, say you're going to be okay, stop the bleeding, restore the breathing, and call for help. It's, yeah. That's about all you can do. Cover them with a blanket to prevent shock. So uh, I think it's, it's an aspect of sci-fi. Yeah, I'm okay with it. What about you, Chekhov? I, I think considering we're what, uh, 500, how many years we're in the future? 900. 900 years in the future. We don't have even, even close uh, enough of sci-fi in this game. Uh, every almost like everything looks like it's around the corner. We gotta have um, for like really out there stuff, like expense and more out there stuff than we do. So I mean, healing would be the least of it. I I'd like to see really some you know really cool stuff uh, that uh, you know they should bring into the game because yeah, it's sort of okay with flying in spaceships and. You know, it seems like, uh, you know, something we would do shortly by going to Mars and doing all that. But, uh, yeah, in 900 years, I would think we're going to be cyborgs and, and uh, you know, uh, doing many, many things. So healing at distance, nothing. That's just the, the least of it. Yeah. Um... I know. What do you think? No, I agree. It's um, and sorry, it's nine hundred and thirty years. Right. I mean, if we're Shion, it's a whole different thing. You know, for them, it's like nine years. You know. But. Yeah. Well, either way, um, I would say healing. We already know it's not quite just magic beam. Because, well, it might not be as, um, oh, I can't remember. There was like a Nintendo DS game that you could play with the, like, you'd stitch people up. It was all mini games. Right. Um, I forgot the name. Should it might like not be EMP. like that. Huh? Like EMP healing, you know? Yeah. I mean, it might not be like that where you're, like, doing mini games to stitch someone up or whatever. But they did mention that the tools that you'd be using will help you diagnose, and you'd have to make selections on what you're using to actually treat them. So it's not quite just beam, although that still sounds quite beamish. Um, I'm fine with it because medical in all the, the big scheme of things probably would be one of the more straightforward things because... We do have, I feel like some of our med beds are like um, Expanse, where it's an auto dock, you know, and, yeah. you know, and, and right. it diagnoses and treats you and injects you with all you need and stitches you up and heals exactly. you. And, and completely reconfigures your DNA and you're fine in 30 seconds. Yeah. And yeah. that's the way it should be in 900 years. Oh, you, you, you just got exposed to cancel, cancer levels of radiation. Let's just implant this one little thing in your arm. Right. And yeah, you have to inject it every time, but at least you're not dead. You know, like that's, that's the sort of thing that you sort of, I mean, they're not going to go to that level of detail, but still. Um, so next question is sort of in line with. Um, I wonder if it's going to be pro-life or pro-choice in 900 years. What's that? 
I wonder if it's going to be pro-life or pro-choice. Not that I want to get political. Oh, I I don't think it will be as straightforward. I feel like there's going to be a lot of like test tube, like yeah, like pro-cyborg, pro-human. And... <laughs> Yeah, I think I think it'll be more like the the politics will be more in line with like Zeno or not Zeno. I mean the alien Zeno threat. Um although Zeno threat would be anti-Zeno obviously. Um so Connect's second question was regardless of mechanics are you okay with beams or hypersprays or healing gels or even injectors that heal through external clothing like spacesuits and armor? Should CIG go all in with the sort of you can treat you can't treat a wound through clothing route, or should it be game mode first to simplify the matter and keep it fun? I so I I think it should be game mode first to keep it fun, and I do think they would have the ability to, you know, put an IV in through a port. Yeah, right. I mean, I think they would have things like that or to inject a suit with an aerosol and allow it to, you know, go between the skin and the suit and settle. Um, you know, I think they would be able to do that. They do it for divers, right? They can do some work for divers that are underwater. Um, yeah. I'll leave it. And that's that. now. Yeah, that's now. What do you think, Chekhov? I'd like to see some blood and guts, you know. Let's Jeez. cut some people up, you know, open wow, them up on the table, have those cyborg surgeons, you know, with scalpels. Wow, that's dark. I know. I think, I th I think I'm thinking of an episode name now. Something about your dark heart, Chekhov. <laughs> <laughs> Chekhov's dark heart. Chekhov's heart of darkness. Yeah. There you go. That's good. Like you got that. a name. We're going to have a theme. Oh, that's going to be the name for this one. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. I come up with them afterwards usually, just randomly about what we talk about or what's going on. Um, I'm fine with sort of the make it work the way, you know, like through clothing or game mode specific. Like I'm, I'm actually concerned we're already going overboard with things like removing clothes and all that stuff so um i'm fine with it being like there's a port or something i just hope whatever it is it doesn't seem to i knowing them they'll create a full mythology around why it should work the way it works and if that's the case then i'll probably be accepting of it final question from canuck 2099 because he only had three not four <laughs> this week he asks, have you ever tried to land on an asteroid other than Benny Henge? How'd it go? Should the new asteroids, uh, I'm just having a night. Should the new asteroids make it possible to land on them or even walk on the biggest ones? What do you think, Seagard? I, I actually have tried landing on them. I would park my ship and uh, tempt the log out while I'm actually on the asteroid. But it turns out it's kind of like the buildings in the game. Um, there is a layer of graphics that are actually floating above the actual structure of the game. So when you land, it's kind of like walking through water. Mm -hmm. And 
on the planet on the asteroids, you don't have any gravity. So the best you can do is bump your ship into it and your landing gear kind of settle in and this will disappear, you know, the bottom foot of them disappears and then you bounce off and drift away at a slow pace. Yeah. So I, I do want us to be able to get off and walk on them. Yeah. I mean, they should sort of have their own right. gravity or at least pseudo gravity. What do you think, Chekhov? Yeah. I almost want to say we did it together, Sigurd, because uh, there was some uh, hand mineables. And I think at one point we attempted to, but definitely I, I, that's exactly what I'm looking forward to with the new asteroids. Uh, yeah. Be able to land on them, do hand mineables, do all that. Yeah. 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 I mean, as I already sort of hinted, I think they should have some. I will say the closest example we had up until recently was Delamar, which is technically an asteroid. It's just a really large asteroid or a planetoid um, with asteroids around it. But yeah, I'm hoping they'll fix the gravity thing with that. Um. Next couple of questions come from Zake, who should be our co-host or guest next week. Good. Uh, so Zake's first question, uh, how much mining do you, sell, do you see yourself doing in the new caves versus not in 313? Assuming they'll at least be rock slash hand mineables within said caves. Don't forget we have new asteroids, so maybe big... Um, uh, oh, he says maybe, maybe, big maybe, that will make mining in space more bearable in terms of the unscannable rock bug we've seen in uh, since uh, 3.8. Not talking about the planet side mineables that you can shoot and then scan, just the space rock ones that aren't immediately right. scannable. Right. So I guess um, that was a lot of post-question context. He's asking, how much do you see yourself mining in caves uh, with 313? I, I actually, I think for me, I think I'm going to do quite a bit of it. I have uh, definitely wanted to use things like the Ursa and to go on missions and have a reason to mm -hmm. use those, um, even the Pisces, but really the ground vehicles in particular. Um, and I think uh, for me, that's going to be intriguing to go in there and hand mine but to actually drive in with the vehicle. <clears throat> yeah, definitely. What about you, Chekhov? Yeah, I mean, it's like everything else. It really depends. We we always try something new as soon as it rolls out. If it's not <clears throat> and if it's playable, is it intended to be played? Then, yeah, for sure. But if it becomes just the one big burden, you know, if you're kind of like clipping through the ground and can't stabilize the rock, you know, uh, just a whole bunch of bugs, then probably very little. But yeah, I can't really say what we're going to do, considering there's going to be something available in caves, that there are going to be new asteroids, so plenty of things to explore. Who knows which one will be more fun than the other. Yeah, I, I, and I would, I would agree. I think, I think if, if whatever it is they put in caves remains profitable, so if for some reason they make enough rock mineables where it's like, all right, I'm going to get close to filling a rock just by going in this cave, then that'll be a place people go to use to use a rock and mine a cave, whether they have the dual seater, if that's a real thing or not. 
um, if they don't make it that easy. And I would say, like, maybe this is a chance where you could increase the risk where it's like, okay, well, maybe some caves, there'll be a ton of mineables, but you have to worry about pirates. Mm-hmm. That's a great example of like emergent gameplay that we don't have yet that we're hoping to have in the future. Um, so, yeah, I could see if it's profitable and it's a good balance, people will do it. If it's just something that we'll go and test out and then we're like, oh, but it's more profitable to go on one of the moons and mine with a rock there and find the mineables randomly instead of just knowing that there's going to be a bunch in a cave. That'll change things. Um, Zake's second question for science, he asks, do you think they'll allow players to uncover some of the more mysterious segments of the lore that they've set up so far? A good example is the Hades extinction event. If they were to allow us to discover certain aspects that we, that were previously not known to the general public, do you think it could be something like a technology that you could sell to the UEE or black market, or even be um, able to be used by our org if you decided to keep it for yourself, akin to how newly discovered jump points would work. If not a technology, what do you think we could discover? Um, Seagard, what do you think? I do think there's going to be some technology, and I think that the science capabilities of like the Endeavor and uh, and ground bases are going to let us figure out what they do. I also think that uh, linguistics is going to be a big part of finding archaeological remnants, right? You're going to get mm-hmm. a, maybe you buy a scrap of some ancient art- artifact from someone that has writing on it, and that leads you to an old outpost. And if you research that old outpost long enough and translate enough, you get a mention of a new world or a new gate. Right? And uh, all those things could be sold as information or or coveted by the org uh, as information, right? Definitely. Um, What do you think, Chekhov? I would love to see them bring, like, a lot of lore play into it, like uh, make it a little bit more like a board game style where we can actually have to really go and dig up facts and really find Mm. stuff. That would be a really interesting twist. Because, uh, you know, just to kind of get people a little bit more into the whole RPG factor. Yeah. <clears throat> I I agree. Like, I think, I even think the fact that they have the Hades extinction as a big lore thing sets itself up for some sort of in-game event. Um, where it's like, figure out what happened to Hades or a mission or something. Um, and also I think there'll be a lot of different things that we could, one could discover because they have this big emphasis See it with the ship where they decided, you know what, we're going to make the ship naming unique and they waffled on it a few times, but we're going to make it unique because we want your ship to be able to tell your story. Yes. And we want it to have a history. We want it to have, you know, things like this. So I think, I think it'll be, you know, Way too geeky discovered jump point between X and Y on his um, RSV uh, Copernicus. I feel like that'll be a thing. That's right. Um, yeah. And there's always that one thing that happens in all great sci-fi shows. 
if someone goes back in time. Yeah. So so imagine finding an alien location, and then you could use a device to go back in time, and you see it. It's in a full its full glory. Wow! Talk about be persistence, past persistence. <laughs> would that be an interesting, you know, kind of uh, mission? Yeah, definitely. Um, so now our next question comes via text, um, and it's Meganut, who is wife of White Winged, and she asks. Uh, I, I said to him, I was like, oh, the couple that plays together stays together because they both play Star Citizen, which I think it's is good. adorable. I think it's great. Um, but ne- Megana asks, with exploration being one of the things the org is most interested in, do you worry you'll explore the systems faster than they're implemented? What do you think, Seagard? We're going to explore too fast? This is, this is uh, I think it's going to be a race. I think there's going to be a lot of groups out there hunting um, and those that are better prepared will do the best. Yeah. Right. And so and it's, that's your bailiwick. I mean, that's you. I mean, I mean, we're all part of exploration, but you're the, the you're the science kind of group, right? Um, you're the lead on that. Um, yes, sir. Um, that, that is my lucky distinction what about you check off do you think do you think we'll explore too fast no way no how because i i haven't we i haven't knew you were going to say that by the way of Stanton. i mean you know how could it possibly be i find new things almost every day and i play this game probably almost every day but we really don't have the discovery tools online yet right yeah I and I agree. Like I don't think I think by the time we'll have the tools to truly explore, they'll be implementing systems so fast. I think by the beginning of next year, like by Q one or Q two, we're going to get multiple systems per patch. Personally, and they'll have the tools to create tons of content, or at least a good amount. I bet you they could. especially now that they've figured out the variation and the scattering and everything within the Stanton system, I bet you they could recreate a version that's different than the Stanton system, but is just as complex with virtually the click of a button eventually. Right. Right. And and, and think about it. This is a one huge sandbox. Uh, Every discovery is different. It it will never be the same. You will come out and you'll you'll discover. I will discover. I will add on to it because I may have different equipment. I may have a different ship. I may find different time. Different time. You know, daylight. Yeah, exactly. There's so much to discover. I mean, it's it's just well because I also talked about discovery not just being original finding, but reevaluating and replotting. Right. So, but I, I do think that some preparation, like let's say you you want to go, you want to specialize in finding you know ancient societies, well, makes sense to go look along abandoned rivers or existing rivers. Yeah, right. If you're looking for gems, you know, carbon and things, volcanoes, you know, um, there's some planning. You know, we need some confirmation of how far they've gotten yet, but. That type of planning could definitely lead you to better choices that are more likely to get you a hit. Yeah. 
Well, let's let's face it. If you if you boil this back to one of the earlier questions, if you're not part of an org, then either you have to own the deep space telescope and the ship that can get to the location and be outfitted for all the different ways you want to scan the location, or you're a part of an org and you're triaging those tasks amongst org members. Right. Good um, point. So that's where I think I, I, I don't see major discoveries happening at an individual level either. It might be a ship. Um, but I feel like I also feel like we'll be able to contribute to our history. Like maybe the, the org gets credit because someone's a member of the org or maybe they they let you journal something. I don't know. Um Next question comes to us from email. So as you'll see, our other non-Discord questions really are the ones that are the same people asking them. Uh, Ivind states, just last week's episode, uh, just heard last week's episode, sorry. Uh, Let me first just say sorry to check off. Hmm. As a Norwegian, I know one doesn't want a Russian with that monotone voice saying, He's going to come find you. <laughs> it never ends well, and now he'll never know my in-game name. Uh, and to Seaguard, he says um, that he's naming his ship after an old Norwegian cargo runner during World War One that used to run fuel and supplies to the English during the war. Awesome. Awesome. He loves old ships and their history such a, uh, and such great names as well. Absolutely um, Awesome. So thank you for that, Ivind. And his uh, his question's yeah. cargo-related. Okay. He said, so the economy will be partly player-managed, if, if I understand correctly. Do you think one aspect will be supplying stations and outposts with fuel and things a station needs to keep it afloat? EVE Online fueling stations come to mind. What do you think, Seaguard? Absolutely. And, and already it's one of my favorite consistent runs. It doesn't make you a lot of money, but it's consistent to, to bring out hydrogen and take back scrap um, to Port Alasar or wherever. Uh, it's just going to make you some money. Yeah. You know, it's a little bit and it depends on how much you want to make a run, you know, how many runs you want to make. But, yeah, you can make some money. Yeah. I think it's uh, I think it's going to be a very viable. And I think that ships like the Starfarer right now aren't really getting the due that they could be getting getting because we think of them as fuel transports but it could also be a a gas or liquid fuel or liquid oxygen transport because yeah um, systems will need even though they can replenish their air with technology they will still like a submarine they still will need to have some fresh components and um and ship you know canned air or bottled air for ships and things like that for reservoirs. So I think it's a very viable and I definitely plan on partaking in it. Okay. Yeah. I mean, sounds good. What do you think? Check off. Um, sorry. I played the fifth again. Do you think stations will need to be resupplied? Check off. Oh, okay. Thank you. <laughs> uh, 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 yeah, I mean, you know, dynamic economy—it it would have to be, you know, once that kicks in. Of course, can't 
you know, that's just uh, just the way you know economy works. How else it's going to happen? You can't you can't have that water sitting there forever. <laughs> yeah, I agree, and it's sort of like going back to the Tony Z thing, like where eventually. Like right now we have refinery stations, but they're sort of like, we refine things for you based on your need, but we'll eventually have locations that refine things that they specialize in because they need those things to be refined because it delivers to a certain factory that makes the weapon that we need to make in order to have cheap at, uh, cheap weapons on our whatever ship. Yeah. Um, and I think the big difference between now and then is later – while I think they built the framework for this to exist in the stations right now, the stations are hooked into our economy from a, here's a place you can sell something. I think down the road, the stations will be hooked into the economy of here's a place where you could sell something because it's a uh, port, but then here's a place that you can sell something because it's a consumer. Um, yeah. You know, there's a naked dude crawling on Everest Harbor in the ground. Isn't there always? Yeah, seems like it. Um, so that it concludes our questions. Wow. Uh, next week, yeah, it was it was quite Record. a few. Record some good study. ones too. I think some really good questions. Thank you, everyone, for the getting, questions. I think they're all getting very, very good. Yeah, maybe we just answer them so well, you know. <laughs> uh, they just bring up what it does for me is it, it to me it means it's. I like these type of questions far more than think about which weapon will go with which power plant and all that. Right? Oh, because that could change at any moment. So like today <laughs> might be one thing, but let's face it, none of them are going to be the same. Yeah. I, but I do think your approach to business and how you, you operate as an org and what you're trying to achieve and how you're going about it are very important things that will make yeah. the game so much more fun. A hundred percent. So uh, if you do have questions for next week or even just comments, uh, science experiments that you've done, you can always submit any of those to us um, by emailing us at readcastsc at gmail.com. You could DM our twiddle, uh, twiddle, (laughs) DM our Twitter handle at readcastsc. You could submit a message through anchor or on our readcast discord. Um, or you could text us at 646-783-8154. International folks, the one has to go in front of that. Um, but yeah, uh, and also don't forget, if you're looking for that org or that crew um, that's respectful, law-abiding, um, genuinely just fun to play around or with, uh, take a look at Reed. Reed stands for Research and Engineering through Exploration and Discovery. Um, we also have a number of content creators So don't forget to watch out for Earth's videos on YouTube or listen to the music that Cody, Admiral Cody, that is, and Calibri are creating. Uh, We've played it this week's episode, and they have more in addition to that. Uh, So that wraps up another fun-filled week of ReadCast. Thank you, everyone, for listening, and we'll see you soon, citizens. Thank you. Have a good night.